you know, you can do more as a healthcare provider if you just take your time and not look at a patient as a patient and a treatment and, and a diagnosis um, to that for that uh, treatment. Uh, so it's, you know, we just need to take time sometimes. You know, it only takes a, a few minutes to a few seconds just to really dive into somebody's um, background and just say, you know, how are you doing and how are you feeling and what can I do to help you? Um, it only just, you know, just making them laugh, make them feel like humans, you know, and not just uh, somebody that comes into your office at 1.30 and you got to get them out of there within 15 minutes. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Sneha Ghazi, and welcome back to another episode on Fit as a Fiddle. I'm a physical therapist and owner of Sneha Physical Therapy in New York City. I'm also the founder and executive director of Physical Therapy International Service Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit that brings free health resources to underserved communities all over the world. I am obsessed with the idea that if you feel better inside and out, you live a better life. Each episode on Fit as a Fiddle brings you phenomenal guests in the health and wellness space who share inspiring tips and tangible advice. I'm glad you're joining this community of listeners who strive to keep their mind, body, and spirit healthy and thriving. All things health and wellness starts right here. All right, everybody, welcome to today's episode on Fit as a Fiddle. We have the energy up today because we have a very special superstar guest. We have Tony Atkins. He is a pediatric neurosurgery physician's assistant at the Children's Hospital of Orange County, but he's actually a celebrity dancing doc. Um, for anybody who doesn't know Tony already, you will see him on tons of different shows like Good Morning America, The Dr. Oz Show, ABC World News Tonight, Australian Morning Show, blah, 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 on and on and on. Basically every show because Tony brings joy to the hospital environment. Um, he is an incredible force of nature. I was just telling Tony offline, like, I know you really well because I stalk the crap out of you. <laughs> so I feel like I know you already. Um, but for anybody, you know, who would love to check him out um, on Instagram and all the different things on social media, he's, he's really a force of nature. And I'm so excited to have him on the show today because we've been, I think we've been trying to have you on the show for about a year now. So I think we, tonight's the night, we made it happen. <laughs> Exactly. My goodness. I've been waiting for this night. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a pleasure to be here today. Um, I enjoy just, you know, talking about things that I love doing the most is taking care of kids, you know, and their families, because, you know, it's, it's pretty daunting to see a neurosurgeon in a pediatric um, realm. It's, you know, you can imagine, you know, you have a little kid and um, they, something goes wrong and then you have to see a neurosurgeon out of all people in the hospital. And so it's a pretty daunting thing. And so I try my best to kind of, you know, uh, bring the information in a very, you know, sensible way and, and let them know that I, myself, as well as my team are there for them at every step of the way. Yes. And that definitely shows your empathy and the light that you bring in definitely shows in your work. Um, so tell the listeners a little bit about why you chose this profession and what draws you to stay in it. I know it's a, it can be a very dark place and you bring the light into it, but how did you get into this and how, what inspires you to, 
to, to work in this field day in and day out? Yeah. So when my, my whole thing in undergrad was um, learning about the brain. So I always loved neuroscience. So that's when I, and when I got out of school, I really wanted to be in neuro neuro. And so I got a uh, neuro uh, surgery and it was the uh, most memorable experience in, within my rotations in uh, university of Washington. And, you know, learn so much, you know, there's, is so much about the brain that, you know, we don't really know. And there's a lot of areas we know if we take it out, then some things don't work. So, but there's a lot of pieces of the brain that we go through to do different types of surgeries. And we know it doesn't really affect people. And so, you know, what drew me to this point was the intricacy of the brain and the nerves and how sensory function and motor function. And if one thing is knocked out, then that, mu that muscle, as you know, will start to atrophy. Mm -hmm. um, and so those things that kind of brought me there and what brought me to pediatrics, because, you know, when I was a little kid, I always want to be a pediatrician, you know, and little kids, they always have four things that they want to be. They either want to be a police officer, a teacher, a pediatric um, a physician or a firefighter. And so I always wanted to be in medicine and I wanted to take care of kids. And so, you know, I just kind of married the two together, my passion for the brain and the nervous system, as well as taking care of kids and their families is the number one priority. That's amazing. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the diagnoses that you treat most commonly, the type of patients that you see coming in. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess another question alongside that is when it comes to anything neural, a lot of it is congenital, right? So a lot of this might start a lot earlier on and patients might be coming in for care for a good majority of their youth and their young life. So I'd love for you to just touch on some of these diagnoses and, um, you know, let the audience know a little bit about how your role in their care um, stays the same or shifts through the course of their time. Yeah. Yeah. So our number one thing that we see in pediatric neurosurgery is uh, hydrocephalus. So it can be communicative hydrocephalus or obstructive hydrocephalus. And so we deal with uh, these patients, uh, little kids, um, from infancy. And so we um, utilize uh, different type of devices called shunts, um, which divert the CSF from the brain, either to the abdominal cavity, to the heart, to the lung, the pleural cavity, um, as well as we do, uh, we deal with uh, tumors. Um, uh, so brain tumors are pretty common in, in children. And so we Unfortunately, we see them and sometimes they come in a train of three. So we see one uh, one day and next few days, we may see another one and in the next few days, we may see another one. And so unfortunately, some of these tumors are pretty aggressive and some of them are benign. Um, and the other thing that we see is uh, spina bifida where we have these uh, little kids that uh, uh, prenatally, they're diagnosed by ultrasound. And we uh, later uh, work with the neonatologist as far as when we're going to induce uh, pregnancy. And what we do, they do a cesarean section and then bring them over to our NICU. And then we're in the operating room within the first uh, eight to 24 hours after life. Uh, and so we have to kind of push because everything is kind of the 
uh, spina bifida kids that all of their uh, neural elements are born on the outside of their body. And so we have to kind of uh, close things off and push everything back down so they don't get meningitis. Uh, because uh, meningitis in little babies can be very devastating um, and cause uh, severe neurological issues in the first month to two months of life. Uh, the other things that we see um, are uh, traumatic brain injuries. Um, in the summer months, you know, it's it's a pretty hard thing because, you know, a lot of kids like to be outside during the summer, as well as a lot of kids, unfortunately, uh, on, on this side of the United States, uh, it's sometimes it gets really hot. So we have a lot of kids that are on the second floor uh, um, and the parents put their beds next to open windows and, and kids fall out of screens uh, in the windows and fall down to the second floor, or third floor, fourth floor. And so we have to do a lot of traumatic brain injury. So, you know, this uh, profession could be very dark at times. and. You know, the ICU sometimes have a train of uh, neurosurgery kids. Um, right now, um, in the ICU, um, we have um, in this part of the ICU, it's about 15 beds, but uh, almost half of the kids are neurosurgical kids with various different uh, acuities. So we have some that are not doing so great and some that usually go home the next day after surgery. And those are usually the, the shunt kids. Uh, so it's some days or some weeks, it can be very dark and gloomy, uh, but, you know, every child in a room, you kind of try to compartmentalize that child in that room because the next kid in the next room may be jumping off the bed and ready to go home. So then you have to, whatever's going on in that specific room next door to the other kid, you can't bring your feelings into the next room or you won't be able to uh, deliver excellent care. And so, you have to learn very early on in your career how to kind of turn things off and turn things on for the next person because, you know, what you're going through with the family and the kid in the room that's not doing so great, you can't bring that same mindset to the next room. And sometimes that, that's, that's a thing that you have to learn um, by doing it over and over again because it, it's something that's not taught in class. I can also imagine that it requires an extreme amount of me- like being present and mindful and being in the moment and understanding how to communicate using those soft skills to be able to provide empathy um, more when it's needed in certain situations and navigating different, um, you know, personalities, I'm sure too. So at, on that note, um, I'd love for you to tell us, and you know, maybe there are people listening who can both as a, from a clinician's perspective. So there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are within healthcare, they're pro- healthcare providers, but a lot of pe- people who are also clients or, you know, other, you know, adjacent to the healthcare field. Um, but either way, I'd love for you to tell us with all this experience you have working with a real, it's a, it's a dark space at times, like you mentioned, how do you communicate to the families? And what is what are some of the tips that you can give um, in ways that we can communicate with empathy when it's, it's about the most important thing in your life, your child, right? For most people, it's that's, that's just, it's their whole life. And so when there's something that can go wrong, I'm sure that there's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a strategy is what I'm trying to look for. The word is strategy. And I'd love for you to Mm -hmm. 
describe a little bit of your strategy in all of that. Yeah, so this is a good question. So the things that I do is, you know, I really um, try to engage the parents uh, during these tough times and let them know, I understand, you know, I, I have children of my own. So I kind of put myself in their shoes and want to know what would be the, the words that will comfort me if I was in their um, position. And that's the way that I kind of communicate and kind of bring my message to them. And I just, I just don't do like a lot of uh, practitioners just uh, run into the room and drop a bomb and then take off. I, I kind of go in and do uh, the full workup of, you know, seeing how they are, you know, checking the pulse of the room is a key thing that you need to learn early. You know, you, you need to, if you're going to go in there, you know, happy, or you're going to go in there just kind of calm, um, or you go in there kind of serious. So you have to check that very early. And once you get the pulse of the room, then you can kind of figure out how you're going to deliver your message and the way you package your message means a lot. Um, because a lot of parents, you know, um, for myself, you know, if somebody just came into the room, just dropped the bomb and says, um, your child has a brain tumor that is aggressive, and they're not going to live. Um, make sure you get your uh, get his his uh, affairs in order, um, and then leave, you know, that would be devastating to any parent. I mean, it's, it's happened before all across the country. I'm pretty sure it's happening every day. Um, and, but for myself and the team that I work with, you know, we have a strong understanding that we, you know, we communicate and deliver the messages uh, a certain way, you know, just going through the MRIs or the, any of the CT scans, just going through those things and making sure they understand what they're looking at. And so we can kind of delineate and say, this is what this brain tumor is here. Um, we know it's in a sensitive place, uh, but we're going to do everything in our power to remove as much as we can. So oncology can start their uh, treatments. Um, and, but we're going to be um, family for life. Okay. And we're going to take care of you just like you're part of our family. And that's the message that I deliver every time I have a brain tumor uh, child, because, you know, I hate, uh, seeing kids, uh, but I love to take care of them because if I see them, then there's an issue. Um, and so I, every new brain tumor I see, um, it rips my heart out, but I keep going because this is what I was granted from the man above. And so not everybody can do it, um, but I've been given that opportunity to do it. So I keep going, you know, and, and everyone that passes away, it takes a little bit away from me. And so I always get kind of teary eyes <laughs> and that's how I feel right now because, you know, I've had a plenty, I have a, had a, I've had a lot of, you know, I call them my little girlfriends or my little buddies um, over the years that, you know, they touched me um, in every way imaginable because I, I make, I put myself in the parents' shoes and, and I say, okay, this is my child and I'm going to do everything imaginable to take care of it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Tony.
Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm getting a little emotional too. Um, wow. I mean, it's so much, it's so much. And I, I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm so glad that you exist in this planet and that you're able to deliver this kind of care to these little kids who didn't deserve anything that has come to them. And um, I think there's a lot of people out there that kind of treat patients like robots and it's just a mill. You just process and process and admit discharge, admit discharge. Um, And I think, I mean, as a healthcare provider myself, I've only worked in hospital systems for a few months. Um, I was actually in a NICU and a PICU for a little while. Um, But outside of that, I'm an outpatient and even an outpatient, I can imagine there's so much chronic pain and there was so much, so much emotion going on. And if you like amplify that times 3000 for somebody whose life is just like in your hands and in the hands of your colleagues and you guys are, instead of taking it as a negative thing, but being empowered, it sounds like you have a good community and you guys empower each other to really recharge one another and provide this excellent care. And that's such a gift to have because I think that it's rare, Tony. I think that it is. I don't think that there's a lot of you out there. Um, and that's why I was obsessed with having you on the show because I'm like almost crying. (laughs) that I knew this would happen. Um, but but we're, we're so happy. We're so happy to have people like you to inspire. And, you know, I know that the stardom and, and the, you know, all of the millions of views that you get on your, on your Instagram is it's not, it's not that one message of, Oh, look, he dances well with this kid. It's actually a huge message. And I saw that the second that I saw you, you're the first video of yours a little over a year ago, almost two years ago. Now Mm -hmm. I was like, this message is just, so important for this world to see it's this little spark that it's a little pebble in this ocean that ripples and creates this this just a small sense of positivity and a small sense of happiness that in in a state of absolute despair in a situation that otherwise would be horrible and you can create Mm -hmm. something that can emote an opposite feeling in that room and I think that power is incredible. And I hope that the heavens above blesses you to keep doing this for eternity if possible. <laughs> and that you're oh, able yeah, to <laughs> and that you're able to keep this up. I know that you will um, for as long as you can. And so I'm so grateful to have you on the show today as well. Thank you so much. It really means a lot, you know, because uh, it's, you know, we don't in health care, um, when you're dealing with, you know, a lot of, you know, things that happens within, you know, matter of seconds, um, there's no time to kind of reflect on the things that you just went through, uh, because you always got to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so the things that I um, kind of promote on social media is, it's to help everybody, not just my patients, but to help everybody all across the world because you know it's it the message is is stating that you know you can do more as a healthcare provider if you just take your time and not look at a patient as a patient and a treatment and, and a diagnosis um, to that tre- for that uh, treatment uh, so it's you know we just need to take time sometimes you know it only takes a 
a few minutes to a few seconds just to really dive into somebody's um, background and just say, you know, how are you doing and how are you feeling and what can I do to help you? Um, it only just, you know, just making them laugh, make them feel like humans, you know, and not just uh, somebody that comes into your office at 1.30 and you got to get them out of there within 15 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that is really the error in the medical system is are these time constraints and these kind of barriers that we have to maybe being able to express that. But I think as a healthcare provider or as somebody who's patient facing or client facing to any capacity, and for that matter, I think that it's actually within you to be able, even within the time constraints that you have, to be able to deliver that quality care by, I mean, I, I just remember in, in PT school, there was uh, one professor who was like, um, you know, every time as you see a patient, pretend like it's your grandma and like, what would you do then, right? And so that actually stuck with me. And there's a lot of times where I'm going in to see a patient and I'm like, this person's going through a lot. Their behavior is there for a certain reason because they're experiencing pain and they're experiencing quality of life problems that I cannot fully fathom. And I never will probably in that capacity because their lived experience is so different than mine. And so how can, like you just said, how can you go in there and just say, I'm going to be here to help you because I know that that's my role here. That's why I chose to do this. I could leave if I wanted to, but I'm while I'm here and I'm choosing right. to be here, how can you actually provide value to that person so that you can improve the quality of that moment? You don't need to improve the quality of their life, but how mm -hmm. do you improve the quality of that interaction and, the, and that moment? And a lot of times that's just you mm -hmm. listening, actually, right? I'm sure you hear this too. Sometimes you just have to shut your mouth right. and just right. listen to somebody because that's all they wanted to do. Is, and even yep. if it sounds mm -hmm. like it's whatever, crazy to you, just having that moment to give to them and being okay with that and then living with that and then acknowledging it and then moving on. And that can be like a yeah. huge, I've seen that so many times where, you know, I want to jump in and be like, Oh, I'm going to problem solve. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to tell you this. And, and that's usually what not, not what they need. They just usually just need to tell you what's going on with them. And you just say, I, and how can I help you with this? How can I make it easier for you? Exactly. So. Exactly. That's all it needs. Yeah. It takes your time. That's it. Exactly. Well, is there anything else that you would, I feel like I want to talk to you for like a million years and <laughs> best friend, <laughs> but how would you like to say anything else to the, our audience today to wrap up our conversation? Any advice? or yeah. information? Of course, you know, we always uh, think of um, because right now the burnout season is on the rise for um, everybody that has to take care of others. Um, either you are a grocery clerk um, or you are a waiter. <laughs> you know, everybody is getting burnt out. And so sometimes we have to kind of think back of what is the main reason that I chose this profession Um and just kind of, you know, be calm with yourself because uh, sometimes we demand a lot of things from ourselves and we become unhappy in where, we, where we're at. Um, and so, you know, I, with my, the residents that um, rotate throughout the 
hospital, you know, they page me all the time. And before they get to start talking about what they page me for, I pause and ask them, how are you doing today? You know, is everything going all right? Is he smiling today? And then they, they laugh and I'm like, oh man, thanks for just asking me, how am I doing? Uh, because a lot of, you know, I, suicide prevention is helped by just asking people, how are you doing? And what can I do for you today? You know, those little simple words just to kind of stop people in their tracks and kind of takes them back and is like, wow, this person really wants to know what I'm doing. They probably don't feel like it, but hey, they they asked me something different. Um, And so usually, you know, or majority of times we we need to kind of slow down sometimes and just kind of think back why did I get into this profession and, and take a deep breath and you need to take breaks. You know, uh, you can't just work like crazy, like I do, but I, my breaks are uh, taking care of my kids. And so I live to take care of others. And that is my passion. Um, and I love it. You can ask my wife, my kids, they, I, I love just taking care of kids. And that is where I'll end. I love it so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of saving the children on this planet Earth to talk to our guests on Fit as a Fiddle. Audience, you've had a little treat today. Um, I know I teared up a little, so I'm going to go wash my face. <laughs> um, but it, it was such a such an amazing conversation. And I hope that, you know, years down the line, we'll have you back on the show. And you're not too much of a celebrity of to not come back on fit uh, as a fiddle. <laughs> no, no, I'll never be that way. I love just doing the things that I do. It's just a byproduct of, you know, other um, news organizations and things like that and see something different and yeah. you know I I'm always in you know we go out in public and people recognize me and I was like hey what's up thank you for recognizing me <laughs> and you know and, and I and I love it because you know it's something positive that people uh, appreciate and recognize you for and I I love it so yeah. my, my wife always says you're not Kim K you better take out this trash <laughs> I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, for listeners who haven't seen, uh, who are maybe living under a rock and have yet to see Tony dancing with infants and little children in hospitals, absolutely the cutest thing ever. Can you give us your Instagram handle? So it's T underscore Malone, M-A-L-O-N-E, the number three. Amazing. I hope everybody follows, checks out the videos and um, follow your work and your inspirational message as well. And thank you so much, Tony, for making time today. It's more than a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for tuning in week after week. Thank you for investing in yourself and your well-being. This podcast is free. We don't sell ads. So if you listened to the show today and gained anything out of it, please share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And it means the world when you rate and review the show. You can even screenshot this episode and upload it to your social media stories and tag at Sneha Physical Therapy. Subscribe to get updates on new episodes so you don't miss a show. See you again next week with an exciting new guest and topic.